0: And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church.
1: Press forward then. Turn with me to the book of Jonah. Turn with me to the book of Jonah chapter 1. To my Spanish friends, I say, buenos dias, como esta, gloria a Dios, (laughs) hallelujah, Praise God. The book of Jonah, chapter 1 and verse 1. So many good things have already been said today, and I'm very aware of the time, but I just want to share something with you. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it. The word cry there just simply means to preach or or to teach. For their wickedness has come up before me. And we all know this familiar Sunday school story some referred to, but Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish. It's always ironic when you're, when, you're, when you're walking away from God, you're leaving the presence. The writer did not make a mistake there when he said we, he fled unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and when you leave the Lord, there's only one way to go and that's down. And he went down to Joppa and he found a ship going to Tarshish so he paid the fare thereof and went down into to go with him unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And just for a few minutes, as I've already stated, I'll be mindful of the time. I just want to talk to you about telling the story. Tell the story. Every man, every woman, every child in this house, Brother Justin has already emphatically stated with his illustration of the bees, has a purpose. We're called for a reason. God did not save us just merely to make heaven our home. But God has an ordained purpose upon our life. And in these last days, there is no greater hour, no greater time than to be a part of the church. I'm thankful for the day of Pentecost, and I'm thankful for the 3,000 that was saved that day. But I want to remind you, today across this continent, there are thousands among thousands being saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. There is revival in the land. And if we're ever going to be a part of what the revival is and what God has called us to be, we're going to have to engage ourselves into ministry. Father, I love you and I'm so thankful for the privilege to be in this place. Thankful for the power of God and the Holy Ghost that I have felt. And God, I'm just asking for the next few minutes that you open our hearts and our minds. God, I'm asking you to help me to convey what you've laid upon my spirit and upon my heart. I've come here for a reason, God, and that's because you're worthy and worthy to be praised. So let the word of God go forth. Let it pierce our soul. Let it shake our minds and let it stir us in the name of Jesus Christ. Before you're seated, turn to your neighbor. And tell them how good it is to be in the house of God. Praise the Lord. Praise God. As we read this text this morning, it's, it's somewhat shocking that God could call a man and, and give him such a, a great calling to go into a city we study history, it would take approximately three days to walk from one end of Nineveh to the other. So we're talking about a, a, a great city, and God has called this individual, this prophet of the Lord, if you will, to go in and to, to preach. God's sick of the way they're living. He's 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 grew weary of their lifestyle, and he's given them an opportunity, and he's called this man. And, and looking at this, you would think, well, how foolish could Jonah have been? The Lord has hand-selected him. He has and picked him to go and do a wondrous work. See, you and I have the privilege this morning of looking into chapter 2 and 3 and 4, and we understand what God did for Nineveh, how he turned the whole city around and how he, how he saved them. But Jonah Jonah didn't have that luxury, and so all he knew that is God was sending him into a city of heathens to preach this gospel. And It's so easy this morning for us to, to point fingers and to cast stones at Jonah because he... He was a coward. He, he run away. But I myself, I, I have to retract those stones and I have to retract the harsh statements against Jonah because God himself has called me. And I have run from the opportunity at times to, to be a witness, to share this truth and to share this gospel of the goodness that God has done of us. All of us, everyone in this house has been in the place where we've complained and where we've murmured, where we've fought the will of God and we've, where we fell asleep spiritually. Now, I know I'm the only one that's ever fell asleep spiritually, and I know I'm the only one that's ever become lukewarm. But I'm telling you that God has an ordained purpose. And when we run from the presence of God, when we run from what he's called us to do, we fall asleep spiritually whether that be an option to witness to the waitress, whether that be an option to tell somebody about the goodness of the Lord in the hardware store, wherever we find ourselves, God's give us a calling. He's put, he said, I, I'm, I'm going to give you some power. Acts 1 and 8, he said, I'm going to give you some power, and that power is going to help profess my name. But we've all been in the place where we've become, where we've become spiritually, spiritually lax, and we've disconnected from what God was, God was needing us to do. Scripture says that none of us, none of us is righteous and all of us has fell short. And we can only stand here today by the cleansing power of the blood. And it's only by that that God can hold our hand. We can preach and we can sing and we can teach and we can give Bible studies. But if the anointing of God all across this continent today, there are people in church services similar as this, but the anointing is not there. And if the anointing of God is not with us, we can't be effective in the kingdom of God. It's what Isaiah was talking about in chapter 10 and verse 27. He said, it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck. And the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. The problem that we face so many times is that we hear God. I I hear that umption, Brother Bobby, when I'm... Standing in line and I see that young man that needs a word of encouragement. I hear it. God speaking to me. Say something to him. Here's your opportunity. Here's your Nineveh. Say something. And I turn and walk away and I miss the opportunity to do something from God. I wonder how many times does God have to shake us and remind us that we've got to go out into the world and preach the gospel. We grow so scared of the word preach. I don't know, preaching doesn't mean that you have to stand on some corner with a guitar in one hand and a microphone shoved down your throat. Preaching means telling the story. When you pause long enough to read the story, it's a wonderful story. How a man came and walked among us. and He loved us so much that he gave his life and he hung on a cross so that we could have life and have life more abundantly. As far as I know, there's not really many of us in here who have trouble talking. We have the ability to talk. That's all you got to do to tell the story is just talk. There's talking everywhere. We talk on the phone. We talk to our neighbors. We, we talk during church. We talk during praise and worship. We talk during the singing. We talk during the preaching. It's really not hard to talk. But the problem we have is we have, we have trouble orchestrating the conversation toward Jesus. It's easy to talk about the weather. Because nobody's going to get mad at me about talking about the weather. But we're, we're afraid somebody's standing over top of us with the old proverbial axe. And when we mention the name, the axe is going to come down upon us. But let me tell you, there are people that are lost and dying and hungry. Souls are hanging in the balance. And it's up to me and you. It's our responsibility to share what God has done for us. We've got a we've got a tremendous privilege to do this. The problem arises when we know that we've got to talk about Jesus because we become fearful. Fear fear is the greatest limitating factor in telling somebody about Jesus Christ. The Barner group did a study several years ago and they asked a numerous amount of Christians what was what was the trouble in witnessing? And 76% said fear, fear of what someone may think or fear of what someone may say to them when they try to tell them about the love of Jesus Christ. I know it's very hard to do, but we've got to remember what Paul said and just shake the dust off if they don't want to hear it. But we've got an obligation to tell tell the story. And so when when we miss that opportunity, we run away and we... You know, we run into our own little comfortable world and we we fall asleep into this little old private place where nobody can get to us. And You know, that's what Jonah did. He bought a ticket. He bought into the lie. See, the devil will lie to you. The devil will lie to you and tell you there's nothing you can do in the kingdom of God. You're either too young or too old. Uh, Maybe you don't know the scriptures enough to... For what you deem to be teaching a Bible study but you know God called Josiah at the age of eight to be king of Israel he called Moses at the age of 80 to lead the children out of Egypt so no matter what realm you fall in today there's something that God has called us to do in the kingdom and that's what Jonah did he was running from God he said you know that God finds somebody else it's not written in scripture but I John's no different than I. He's just a man he puts on one leg at a time in his britches. So I'm sure he had to be thinking in his mind, if I'll stand back long enough, if I'll just wait, and I know because I've done this, you know, God God will remove that from me and he'll lay that burden on somebody else and somebody else can go do that. I remember years ago when Brother Fears was asking me to, to help him with a nursing home. And I was real reluctant. You know, I just kept thinking if I would wait long enough. He wouldn't bother me every Sunday at service. And he would <laughs> he would find somebody else. But yet I was always praying, God. I want to be used in the kingdom. God, I, is there something I can do? God, I want to do something for you. There would be brother fears every Sunday. Hey. Need somebody to sing. Need somebody to play a guitar. And then at the end of the service, I'd find myself, God, God, is there something I can do? And finally, it took many many weeks to realize, but God had set Nineveh in front of me, and I was running the whole time. Everywhere we look, everywhere we go, there's the opportunity and the potential to do something from God. And so often we miss our opportunity. I just want to say this morning that we run and hide in our comfort zones and in, you know, in our worldly desires, and we, we do that. You know, Pastor's been talking about, about filling our life with stuff, with noisy stuff. And I, I, I stand here, I'm at the front of the line this morning being guilty. I, I'm, sometimes I find myself so busy, and, and I've got things that I've got to do, and somewhere in that schedule, I've got to work God in. I've got to work a prayer life in. I've got to work a time of study somewhere throughout that day. And I'm trying real hard to to, to change the way I do things because I want my prayer life and I want my study time. I want to work everything else around that. I want God to be first. He can't use us in the kingdom if we're not first. God, God won't forget about us. You see, when he calls us into ministry, when he calls us, It's a calling that stays upon us forever or until he decides to lift it. See, just because Jonah was in the belly of the whale doesn't mean he wasn't called. God still had the calling on him. And when he decided that he would accept the calling, that's when when God let the whale spit him out on the shore. But we've got to know that according to Romans 11 and 29 that the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. So that means no matter how far we run, no matter where we think we can hide God will always listen to me if you don't hear nothing I say God will always hold us accountable for the souls that we could have reached but we didn't because we turned our back on the calling we're going to have to answer on judgment day because we didn't tell the story Jonah found out that God wasn't going to let him get by so easily and I'm I I, I Fear today because the Lord is not going to allow us to continue to slide by without being an asset to the kingdom of God. Jonah was at peace. He was, he was resting because this is a prophet. This is the man of God. You know, there's a calling upon his life, but if he don't obey the calling, that's all right. He's saved. And if we're not careful, ladies and gentlemen, we can slip into that mentality that I'm a saint of God. I'm not committing any sins. Well, he told us in John, he said, if you love me, Keep my commandments. And he's commanded us to go. And I respectfully say this morning that there are people who are living all around us. You see, Jonah, when he, when he rejected the call of God, there wasn't just Nineveh at stake. But if you'll read the story, he climbed into a, a boat and brought a storm of hardship and trouble among some men that had no idea what was going on. When you walk away from the call of God, When you avoid telling the story, you bring hardship, you bring trials, and you bring troubles to people you have no idea. We've got a responsibility and an obligation. I wonder how many babies, how many babies will never see life, or how many homes will be broken, or how many will become addicted to drugs and alcoholism and disease will will wreck their lives. How many will die and spend an eternity in hell Because we passed up the opportunity. When God set Nineveh in front of us, we passed up the opportunity to witness. God will allow some things to come into our life. God will allow our world to be shaken up from time to time because, as I said, souls are hanging in the balance. In church, we can't sleep or slumber while people are passing into eternity. We don't know what tomorrow holds. It's not guaranteed that you and I will be here. The person that you work beside tomorrow, it's not guaranteed that they're going to be there. And when they're gone, what about the opportunities that we miss? The church has slept while the powers of darkness have ravaged our world. And I don't want to ever forget that there are multitudes in the valley of decision that are waiting, waiting for us to tell them a story. I tell you today, it's going to be a terrible tragedy to discover that we made it safely. We made it through the gates of heaven, Brother Bobby. And we're going to have to turn and look on judgment day at that, at that boss man that, that paid our salary and kept food on our table. We're going to have to turn and look at that, that co coworker, that coworker that was beside us every day that faced problems that we knew we had an answer to. But we didn't tell him. Fear, fear overtakes us and we run from the call of God. But we, we are the same as Jonah when we don't tell the story. And as I've already said, we're, we're all called to tell this marvelous story. You know, as a child, and I, I use this story as an illustration, not as, not as a statement of boast, but as a child, I was very sensitive to the Spirit. And many times, several times as a child, back then we had evangelists that we didn't have a revival every eighteen months. We we had a revival every three months. And so there was evangelists coming through all the time. Evangelists would pray over me and I can remember in nineteen eighty three, standing about right here, a couple had come through man of God prayed over me. I was so excited, hungry, even as a child, hungry. At that time, I had a small congregation. I'd done recorded probably 200 sermons. Danielle and Larry and my brother, several of them, they all wanted to fire me because all I would preach was hellfire and brimstone. And we laugh, but there's, there's not enough hellfire and brimstone preached today. <laughs> hell's, hell's real. Hell's real, and there's an eternity. As I grew older, and we, we had the Christian school, and when Brother Rayleigh wasn't mad at me. He would use me and let me talk a little. And, you know, I felt God shift in my life. And I felt God doing something. As time went on and I moved into public school, I began to grow cold and I backslid. But I always had to be in church. You know, my dad said, if you're going to live under my roof, you're going to eat from my table, you're going to go to church. Now, I heard a statement the other day, not from nobody here, so they're not going to force Christianity on their children. Now I can't speak I can't speak from the platform of a parent yet. But as a child as a child, if it wasn't, you call it force feeding, you call it raining with brute mentality, you call it whatever you want to but thank God for a mother and father who made me come to the house of the Lord. This is the only saving grace your children have. They may buck and fight and kick, and I'm sure it's a battle in the car on the way here, but you keep them in the house of the Lord. This is the only chance that they have of making it. I'd come... I'd come to church we had a we had a swimming pool. It was one of the greatest tools to bring people to the house was the swimming pool. Especially young ladies come to the house and swim. They would always be intrigued by my by my mother with her hair and her, her dresses and her spirit and the Bible says the spirit of a man precedes himself. And it would be obvious when you're in the presence of my mother. And these ladies begin to, you know, to ask questions. And from time to time, about where Brother and Sister Rayleigh would sit. I thought it was cool. i, I do not diminishing anybody sitting on the back. But I thought it was cool to sit in the back and slump down in my seat. All well, these people that would come to church with me because I had to be here. But they come, Sister Terry, because they was hungry. And God would deal with them in service and would return and, and ask me questions. But I was too cool. I was too cool for Jesus. Let me, let me pause right here and tell you young people something. You have what the world wants they don't know it and they're searching but what you have they won't you hold fast to what you got I know it's tough I know it's tough to dress according to certain standards I know it's tough to walk right and talk right and act right but you're going to be thankful for it in the future that you held on to something that was pure and something that was real these people would come with me and you know, we'd be in school and during break or during lunch and I was ashamed. And I say that shamefully today. But I didn't want to talk about this because I wanted to try to fit in. thought I wanted to be a part of something. There was one girl in particular, very dear friend. She was my wife. She is my wife's best friend. Uh, inseparable. Inseparable. Wanted her to be here this morning, but she couldn't. So I'm going to show you a picture of Lisa. Lisa was always enamored by this way of life. Always inquisitive about my mother and the ladies in this church. Always wanting to know, what, what is it that makes y'all so different? What is it that's so unique and, and special about y'all? There again, God had set Nineveh right in front of me. All I had to do was open my mouth. But I would avoid the conversations. I didn't want to talk about it, Brother Kenny. I I didn't want to, I was afraid they'd laugh at me or make fun of me. And I wanted to fit in. I wanted to be a part of a group of people. I can remember the horror that overtook me. November 11th, 1993, Jennifer and I was at our home with my mother. And it was probably about 11 o'clock. My mom had come in and said there had been a terrible accident. Immediately we rushed to the scene. Lisa was going home from a family get-together. Someone had crossed the center line and hit her head on and took her out of this world. Now I'm, I'm not standing here today in judgment. I, I, I don't know her relationship with the Lord. My prayer has always been that she'll be there when I get there. That's not the point I'm trying to make. The point I'm trying to make is I had an opportunity and I walked away from the call of God. Every day, God puts Nineveh in our path and all we got to do is open our mouth and tell the story. I can remember standing at the funeral and, oh, we grieved. We grieved, but I I could never get out of my mind, and I know this sounds selfish, but I could never get out of my mind at the funeral and at the memorial on that highway. Hundreds was there. I could never get out of my mind. What is God going to say to me on judgment day? What, what is he going to do to me? Because I failed. He put a Nineveh in my life. He placed somebody in front of me that was hungry for the word of God. And I failed. I'm thankful today that we serve a God of second chances. I'm thankful today that he allows us to He allows us to come back. And He allows us to make atonement. This particular picture is the centerpiece of our home. Because I want to be reminded every day before I leave, I want to look at her face. And it reminds me that I'm going to meet somebody today, that this may be my last chance. To tell them I don't want to waste an opportunity as we stand across this house. Rest assured God's not going to allow us to continue in disobedience. He's not going to allow us to continue to run away from the call of ministry. If God's called you, we got to take heed. And everybody in this house is called to some form of ministry. He's not going to allow souls to die and to be lost because you and I were too scared or too intimidated or too shy to tell others about Jesus Christ. I I don't want to wait for the storm of God to come into my life. I I don't want want God to have to to bring a, a fish into my life and swallow me up. Life's hard enough without having to live in the belly of a whale. But we've got to understand and it's preached and it's repeat preached and I, everything I've said this morning has been repetitive. But we've got to understand that it's almost over. Ladies and gentlemen, it's almost over. And He's coming back. He's pausing and he's waiting because he's thinking that the church will, will eventually get it and will catch on fire and, and be a witness and be, and be productive for the kingdom. I wonder today, and I put myself again at the front of the line, how long has it been since we won a soul? How long has it been through Bible study or, a, or or through a service, have we won a soul, Brother Bob? How long has it been have we, since, we've, since we've really took time to sit down with somebody and say, I want to share something with you. I want to share what God's done in my life. And I want to share something from this book of what He done for us. I shudder to think. Pastor and several others make the statement sometimes about God standing us next to the person that we could have been. Well, forgive me this morning for my inadequacy, but that scares me to death. And I'm just being honest. Because I know not what I can do. But I know through the Holy Ghost in me what I can do. And I am so far from the potential of God. We've we've got a responsibility. If you haven't won a soul lately, if you haven't told this story, these altars are open today. I'm not talking about neglect in ministry because we've been living in sin. That's not what I'm talking about this morning. What I'm talking about is having the opportunity. Having the opportunity laid before us. God has put Nineveh in our path. But because of fear, because of an intimidation, we chose to walk away. We chose not to not to tell the story. And as I close, I just want to remind us, what will will they say when we get to heaven and we have friends, we have family, and we have loved ones that's not going to make it? I wonder if God's going to allow them to talk to me and look me in the eye and and say Jerry you knew you knew how I could avoid this and you didn't tell me you knew that there was life and life more abundantly but you didn't tell me I wonder today as you lift your hands and make an altar where you stand if we could ask God just to just with all of his power and all of his might would he help us to commit commit to telling this story and to and to doing what He's called us to do. Hallelujah.
0: This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic